Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 242. This week, we're talking with Mike Falkenstein about the benefits of walking out the Great Commission. You know, one of the immediate benefits is you begin to see God working in ways that otherwise, you know, we wouldn't see. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome to the show. We want to see the body of Christ fully engaged in God's mission on the earth. And this show is made possible in part by generous support from listeners like you. Visit engagingmissions.com slash patron to learn more about how you can be involved. This week, I have a little bit of listener feedback as well as an opportunity for you to share your thoughts and opinions. We're going to be talking about the percentage of Christians who don't know what the Great Commission is, as well as the differences between what we often hear in the news and what's actually happening in China. Before we do that, though, I do want to say a quick welcome to Jay, Ev Binoy, and Jacob. I do hope I got all those names right. Jay, Ev Binoy, and Jacob, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. If you'd like to do that, you can visit facebook.com slash engaging missions. I'd love to connect with you there as well. And with that, we're going to transition right to our time with Mike. All right. Today we have with us Mike Falkenstein. He's a husband, the father of three, and the director of 1-8 Catalyst. 1-8 Catalyst is dedicated to pursuing the Great Commission worldwide, and they're doing that in a variety of ways, including things like Bible translation, frontier missions, equipping Western believers to share their faith, and also they have a podcast too. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's a real privilege. Oh, this is absolutely my pleasure. I'm so glad to be able to connect with you. As we kick this off, one of the things that your organization, 1-8 Catalyst, is about is equipping and mobilizing Christians to fulfill the Great Commission, that God would use them to to see that task of the Great Commission completed. But before we jump into that, what is the Great Commission? Yeah, well, thanks for the opportunity because, you know, one of the, I have a message that I like to give kind of wherever we go whenever I have an opportunity to speak. And that is actually one of the three things that I love to be able to talk about because, Mm. Brian, I don't know if you saw just recently, but the Barna Group just came out with a recent survey of evangelical Christians in North America. And if you combine those Christians that do not know what the Great Commission is, in other words, they asked them, what is the Great Commission? And they didn't know it. Or Mm. the people that said, yeah, I've heard of the Great Commission, but I couldn't tell you What it is, actually, it is 86% of uh, evangelical Christians today don't even really know what it is. And so, obviously, we're hoping to kind of bring that back a little and educate some folks. And so, of course, you know, what we do is we find the the definition of what is the Great Commission in the, the Gospels in particular. 
there are at least five New Testament passages that outline this. We've just taken, in our ministry, we've just taken three of those. So we start with, you know, these three main verses, the first one being Mark 16, 15, where Jesus says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So we have that first command to all Christians to go and proclaim mm-hmm. the gospel to, you know, the whole creation. This is the, you know, evangelism piece and all of this. Secondly, of course, the one that's most popular, the Matthew 28 passage of, you know, go and make, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And that's, you know, the one that we hear the most about. And then thirdly, we have this, actually the verse that we took, that we got our, our, the the name for our ministry from Acts 1.8 where Jesus says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we take those three passages and we've developed a definition then for what is the Great Commission. So the the command of the Great Commission is God's plan for building his church through the preaching of the gospel, the making of disciples, the confirmation of disciples, both through baptism and the ongoing teaching of disciples to be his effective witnesses in their local area and around the world. So certainly the kind of the last piece that we always talk about is, you know, we do believe that the Great Commission, in addition to being a command that Jesus gives, it is a command, a normative command for all Christians. So, so that's kind of how we get to this definition that it is a you know, it's it's a command for for believers of Jesus to to go not only make disciples. You need to actually have new believers, right, before you can make disciples, and then yeah. to teach those folks to be, you know, effective witnesses in their own local area and around the world. That, that's good. And you know, I, I've heard people sometimes say things like that was a command that Jesus gave the apostles. And that's certainly something that I don't dis- that, that I do disagree with, that I believe also that it was a normative command. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up. When, when you think about the Great Commission being a normative command, a command that is for all believers, what, what kinds of things does that mean in our lives? Well, actually, it's interesting that you'd ask that because I've actually learned a lot from, as you mentioned, you know, we also have a podcast for our ministry called the Made for Missions podcast, and we ask these same questions of a lot of people. So I've had seminary professors and pastors and missionaries, and I've actually learned a ton. And one of the seminary professors that we, that I interviewed, and I asked that question of him, I loved his answer because he said, you know, here we have Jesus in his ministry, you know, giving these commands. And if those commands aren't for all believers, yes, they were given to a certain group of people that were there to actually hear it, then you'd have to throw out, you know, other commands that we, or other promises that we see Jesus giving, right? I even, I a lot, a lot of times mention this promise that we have from Jesus in Matthew 11 about, you know, come to me, all those that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And you know, they, you either have to take all of them or you take, you, you take none of them. And then we kind of add that to, you know, the additionally, what we see Jesus saying, like in John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. you know, for those who love Jesus, it's kind of, it's, it's a lot of, not a lot, but there are Christians that kind of take kind of an either or, well, I'll love Jesus, but I, 
you know, this, these commands that he gave, certainly they're not for me, but clearly he's saying, and I think about Luke chapter six, right? He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? So Hmm. again, these things have to be for all those who love Jesus. He repeats these same kind of things over and over again. So we go, yeah, I think these commands, the certainly the great commission, the great commission commands, and then the additional commands that we see, again, we take them all or we take none of them. Do you think it's significant that we we view the promises of God as applying to all believers, but we view the Great Commission, some people view the Great Commission, if they even know about it, as applying to only a select group of people? Well, I think actually the, I have a good friend that's a pastor in Dallas, and I've kind of stolen his his quote about this. So he actually says that many churches in North America today the leadership has made a deal with their people, right? And so the deal goes like this, that they actually say, hey, you just give us some money and we can kind of keep the lights on and do some programs and, you know, we'll help pay some salaries and whatnot. And in return, we won't ask much of you. And in, you know, and together we'll say that we're doing everything that God wants us to do. And so I think the, you know, the the commands of the Great Commission are just, are just hard, right? Mm. They're, they're, I mean, you actually have to learn how to share your faith and learn how to share your testimony. And it's uncomfortable, right, to actually yeah. go to your neighbor and to do some of this and reach out to a workmate and become friends to, to you know, to d- develop a friendship that would lead to, you know, faith conversations. And so I think that's a big part of it is it's just very convenient to, to kind of leave them out because it's hard and sometimes uncomfortable. And yet, you know, again, we could have a much longer conversation about this, this relationship that we have with Jesus is never meant to be easy, right? Mm, (laughs) I mean, there are times that it's hard. And in fact, Jesus himself says, you know, surely as they've persecuted me, they will persecute you too. And I mean, you know, so there's, the flip side of it is, of course, there's a great reward for obedience, right? That when yeah. Jesus gives us something to do and we obey, not only at the end of our lives where we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, but before then, you know, it was Hudson Taylor that said, God's work done in God's way never lacks God's provision, right? Yeah. That he'll, he'll kind of set a, a path out for us as we, as we uh, obey his commands. That's good. Let, let's focus in for just a second on some of those benefits. And I kind of want to pull it away from theory into practical, right? So you've seen people who have begun to walk in obedience to the Great Commission. What are some of the transformations or some of the benefits that you've seen in their lives? Well, that's a really good question. I would say there would be maybe several things, right? So initially, let's just kind of give a hypothetical. So for us in our ministry, we're talking a lot to people about just in this obeying the Great Commission whole business, just start getting to know your neighbors, right? And just get to know their names. And and for those who have actually done that, I know my wife and I have seen God at work in that way. And so in terms of the obedience to, okay, God, I, I don't know how you want to use me in this area, but I'm open to, to, to doing it. And and, you know, one of the immediate benefits is you begin to see God working in ways that otherwise, you know, we wouldn't see, right? Mm. That 
you know, if not, if you're not out there doing, doing anything for him, you know, it's like kind of like what I always tell people about one of the things I love about being in full-time ministry is, you know, we, our ministry, we don't, we don't really produce anything that we sell that then helps us, you know, <laughs> you know, make money for, for our, or for our, our well-being and our, our provision. And so as we've been out there and said, okay, Lord, we believe that you want to use us. If you want to use us, we're here and available. And sure enough, right, the provision comes in sometimes in amazing ways. And so we get to see God working in ways that otherwise, you know, we may not. And I think that's the immediate benefit is, man, you begin to see God opening doors. And this opportunity to start a Bible study in your office was the door was closed and God does some amazing things and he opens it and you begin to see him at work. And I mean, just that being actively involved in, you know, what God is doing is a pretty, you know, is a pretty cool benefit, I think for sure. And then maybe then even more than that, and kind of go going, going beyond that, then, you know, we know that in the book of John, even, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, if you obey my commands, I will, I will, you know, I will show you the Father. I mean, you can think there's a deepening in the, our relationships with the Lord as we, as we obey. And, you know, so I think there's certainly some, you know, some, something to be said about our relationship with the Lord as well as we obey him. Oh, t- totally. And, and w- one of the things that you, you mentioned early on is that Barna did a study Clearly, a, a number of people don't know what the Great Commission is, but there are also people who do know the Great Commission. They do know that it's a command, and they might even believe that it's a command for him, for them, but maybe they're not living it out, or they're not living it out as fully as, as they might want to. What, what's the number one block that you see keeping people from really stepping in and embracing this? That's a really good question. When, as I began to really study this just a few years ago. I mean, I've actually, this is kind of something that's been on my heart for a really long time. But as I really began feeling like God was asking me to what we call training Western Christians towards Great Commission fulfillment. Yeah. I really dug deep into the into the answer to that because it seems, you know, scripturally that when you accept Jesus, it's just it should be just a very automatic thing that you would then want to share with others, right? I know in, for those who have accepted Christ, you know, we know what this is like, this moment when we, when we initially receive Jesus and we go, oh my gosh, Lord, you have just saved me from, you know, my own sin and an eternity without you. And I just cannot help but tell someone about, you know, what you've done. (laughs) life, right? And so if people are not doing that, well, then I think they're, obviously, then it would, it would maybe make sense that maybe there's just some, some block, something has happened, something. So we often, I often encourage people just to go back and just sort of re-look at your walk with the Lord. Is there something that is keeping you from really fully being in love with Jesus? Another thing that I did is I was, was, doing all of this, I, at the time, had been asked at my church here in Colorado, where we live, to do a, a men's Bible study. And so I started a study that I just called 
the six marks of a disciple of Jesus. And the idea here is if we re-engage with what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus, it would naturally lead us to want to share our faith. And so hmm. that study has then turned into, a, we're, we're working on a, on a workbook for, for people to be able to, to do that in Sunday school classes and community groups and their churches. And so I'm really looking forward to that new resource. But Brian, I hope that makes sense, right? If you, if you really love Jesus and you're you know, surrendered to him, I think that, I mean, I think that kind of comes natural. I mean, it's like, you know, what Jesus says about every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't, you know, produce good fruit. And it's, it's true, right? I mean, if you've got a mm. pear tree, it's just going to produce pears. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus and love with Jesus, you're just going to want to share with him. Yeah. I, and, you know, one of the things that stands out to me that I'm, I'm liking what I hear is that, you know, you, you do provide resources and it would seem like you've gone through some kind of process where you, to, to develop the resources, that they're actually addressing a particular need that you see. What are some of the needs that you see that your resources are able to address? So we're in our resource area, we're really just getting that going. So that'll okay. be something that really looking forward to, you know, continuing. But what we have so far is obviously the podcast is a good way to, a good place to start because, you know, we've just recorded the 85th episode. And in those episodes, I actually have a co-host for my podcast. And so the, mm. the co-host, Ken Watmore and I have gone through everything from, you know, how do you begin sharing with neighbors to how do you share with, you know, people at your workplace? And Again, what is, we've done an episode or two on what is the Great Commission and what does it mean for the believer? And so that would be a good place for those people who are interested in podcasts. And, you know, Brian, as you know, since you have a podcast, I, th I think it's such a valuable tool because, I mean, you know, not only is our podcast available on our website, but then you can just go to iTunes and subscribe and then just plug that into your car and you know our podcasts are all about 30 minutes each and so so there's i hope i think there's some pretty good content there probably the other main thing at this point is on our youtube channel for 18 catalyst we do have about five or six videos now that you know one of them for example i'm just teaching people how to share your testimony so I've come up through the a ministry called The Navigators. And so I've kind of used a lot of their tools over the years and have just really liked them. So, and then another YouTube video that we have is me just teaching people how to share the gospel through the bridge illustrations, which is mm. again, navigator tool, but it's a, I, I love it just because, you know, it's a very simple thing. And I mean, I've shared the bridge illustration with people on, you know, just a napkin at a, at a restaurant or, you know, back when we were doing campus ministry, we, you know, you could do the bridge on a back of a piece of ox or, well, you know, you don't need mm -hmm. anything really fancy. And you only need to memorize six verses in order to be able to share the gospel, right? Once you mm -hmm. have those six, how all of this works. And then we have some other videos about shorter ones that are, again, what is the Great Commission? You know, what is the 1040 window, which we hear a lot about in our kind of our missions area? And so we're just trying to educate people about kind of, you know, the worldwide needs. We have another video about the worldwide needs for, you know, the lost. So there's 
42%, for example, of the world's population that are unreached or unengaged. And, you know, we're encouraging people to, you know, to kind of put their hat in the ring in that area in some ways, because certainly it seems to me that after 2,000 years of Christianity, we shouldn't still have 42% of the world's population, you know, who has never heard the name of Jesus or, or right. is still unreached. Right. So, so our, our YouTube channel, when we're going to continue that as we have resources, you know, we're taking from those that are familiar with this Prager University. I love their format because here you go, five minutes, quick video, a lot of content, great content. And so we're going to invest more and more in YouTube type videos because these days, of course, there's almost no better tool than you know, people can just subscribe to your channel and then new videos come as they you get a notification. And so we're really looking forward to that. And then, of course, it's the in the fall, we'll be releasing this workbook on the six marks of a disciple. And so we'll keep you up to date on that as well. But, you know, it's those kinds of things yeah. that we really look forward to doing. Oh, that, that's that's really neat. I, I want to just kind of pause here for just a second, because I feel like there's something that needs to f- I just need to let it sit on me and perhaps some people that are listening. 42% of the world's population, no access, never heard the gospel, right? That, it, by my math, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 billion people. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot of people. And, you know, yeah. f- for me, living in suburban U.S., that that that's hard for me to conceptualize. How, Mike, How how do you both keep going forward, you know, keep that vision in front of you, but then also not feel overwhelmed by the reality of that situation. Yeah, well, that's one of the beautiful things I think about what God is doing in our ministry. So we have a a large umbrella of what we're trying to accomplish, which is we're pursuing the completion of the Great Commission worldwide. Mm. And then as you break that down, there are kind of two areas, which we've kind of, we've kind of danced around, right? So we've got the one side, which is training Western Christians, and then the other side is, you know, reaching unreached people groups, all of which kind of falls under the umbrella of pursuing the completion. So for us, our ministry heritage overseas has been in the country of China. So as much longer story, I won't get into all of it, but I've had a history of serving the growth of the church in rural China. As those projects were winding down, we just began to ask what God wanted to do next. And so we we were kind of in this, you know, move towards Great Commission fulfillment. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, I was just mentioning to you before we started, we have a really good relationship with the Ministry of Joshua Project, which just happens to be just about an hour south of us. And so we go, yeah. I go down there from time to time and have really enjoyed getting to know those guys. And so they're a data collection ministry. So they they have information about all of the 16,000 some odd people groups around the world. And so what you can do when you go on their website is you can do some filters. And so we've done a filter of, okay, we've taken all the 16,000 something odd people groups. We want to see just the ones in China. And then another filter, just the ones that are considered unreached, which that Mm. category Mm. is in that people group, there's less than 2% Christians. Kind of another way to look at that is when there's less than 2% Christians in a people group, then they those Christians don't have the momentum or the resources to reach the rest of their people, 
right? So, mm. and then we went even farther and we said, okay, it's China, it's unreached people groups, and then even more than that, those that are Bibleless that don't have a Bible. And so, out of the all of those groups, that produced a list of 205 people groups just in China that meet all of those criteria. And so on August 1st, we're just, because we've just been working on all of this, August 1st, we're hiring a team of five Chinese to, to take that list and begin to find these people groups. Because hmm. as you know, many people are familiar with David Platt, right? In our line of work, he has this, this, this phrase that he's mentioned, which I love, which he says that all the easy people groups around the world to be reached have now been reached. It's the hard ones that are left. And it really is true because in China, for example, we don't even know particularly where some of these people groups are. Some of the data is old. Now, it's very fortunate the Joshua Project folks actually give us latitude and longitude of where the people groups are. And so we get a chance then to, for our team of five Chinese, they'll be researching these people groups and then actually traveling to where the last known location is. And so that's a very long answer to your question. But I guess for me, I kind of go, well, I don't know anything about doing ministry in Europe or, you know, Central Asia or South America, but boy, you know, we've got some expertise in China and Lord, would you be willing to use us to reach these 205, you know, unreached people groups in China? And so just kind of using the experience that we've had and long experience that we've had in China and kind of going from there. Wow. I really appreciate you sharing that and sharing what God's been doing. One of the things in I hope this is appropriate. One of the things that always interests me is origin stories. You, you at one point you were a boy. W when did God start calling you toward this kind of ministry? Well, you know, I often tell people that, you know, my story getting into ministry like this is sort of a, it's actually a really cool, what God did was really cool just because it really was kind of just very clearly seeing God do one thing after another. And so mm. I actually didn't become a Christian until I was a senior in high school. And so through the ministry of Young Life, which many people are probably familiar with. And so then kind of through that process, I had gone to Colorado State University and gotten involved with the navigators up there. And it was then kind of a, you know, being discipled really for the first time and then feeling, you know, the guy who was discipling me, I knew that I wanted to commit my life to what he had committed his to. And so a few years after first meeting, he asked me to pray about coming on staff with the Navigators. And so that was kind of the first of the main steps, right, of kind of committing to full-time ministry. And then at that same time, I began to get to know some of the Chinese international students at our university and began kind of hanging out with them and just finding a real connection with the Chinese. And so it was two years into being on staff with the Navigators that I went on a, a vision trip, which is just, it was a Navigator trip, which they do to just help people kind of see what God's doing in China. And I was there probably a day or two and literally just fell in love with the place. And yeah, just God just moved very powerfully in, you know, calling me towards, you know, impacting China for Christ. And so 
it was just after that I'd met my wife. She was also on staff with the Navigators. Hmm. And so we, a couple of years later, actually moved to China for a time and did full-time language study and then came back and began to see some of the needs in rural China. At that time, we're talking kind of early 2000s. The church in rural China was just exploding and we got to get to go out there and see God, what God was doing and came back and had all these stories of what we were seeing and, you know, going to these rural villages and seeing, you know, the pastor telling us that they were baptizing 500 new believers a year and then going to the next village, you know, 20 miles away and, you know, seeing they're hearing those same stories. And so in 2005, we started a ministry called China Resource Center. And so in the China Resource hmm. Center was serving the growth. So what we were doing was we were getting re requests from these rural pastors that, you know, I mean, you can imagine being a, 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 a poor rural pastor and you've got 500 new believers. All these people need Bibles. They need training. <laughs> yeah. And they ask them, Mike, could you just help us? We don't, you know, we don't have the ability to meet all these needs. And so as I began talking to friends here back in the States, there was a big kind of thing that happened, just a, a lot of momentum towards that. And so for, you know, for nine years or so, something like that, almost 10 years, we were doing rural Bible distribution, actually using Bibles that are being printed in China now. So the, the world's largest Bible printing press is in Nanjing, China. They print about 7 million Chinese Bibles a year. And so very safe, reliable source for Bibles. So we really were just taking those Bibles and getting them to places where, you know, these, these rural Christians were praying for two or three years that God would provide a Bible of their own. And so they're just weeping and they're receiving a Bible. It was just very, very impactful. We were helped do some church building and some theological training. And so as those ministries began to wind down, as I, as I mentioned, then, you know, we said, boy, we've got this, all this experience, you know, I'm, you know, functionally fluent in Chinese. I, you know, Lord, you know, what would you want for us next? And so that's then where we got into these, uh, that's kind of what seems like the final work to be done, right? Because mm. if, as we read passages like Matthew 24, 14, you know, the gospel will be, will be proclaimed to all the nations and then the end will come. And so really we're now down to, you know, something like 1600 languages around the world that still you know, need a Bible, but they got a lot of people involved in that. And so, yeah, more and more people that I engage with who also do the same kind of work are saying, yeah, we kind of see, you know, when this, when that end will actually come. So, hmm. so it's a real privilege to, to be involved in this way. You have some existing connections in China, I, I believe. I think you mentioned that. And one of the things I'm wondering, we, we see a lot, or at least I've seen a lot in the news about China as a country cracking down on churches and on pastors and on believers. What What's the current situation there that you, that you can share with us? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. And I'll just say in advance that obviously I know a lot about this, but there's still a lot to be known. I mean, the, you know, China is just a complicated place and... <laughs> Things that you see in one area that happen are not happening in other areas. And so that's actually an error of some that are reporting on China because, hmm. you know, you might have in one province something that's happening in terms of some kind of persecution. And then they'll say in China, you know, X, Y, and Z is happening. 
when really it's just in that one place, right? So, but I would say generally that, so in 2008, I wrote a book called The Chinese Puzzle. And then in 2012, I wrote a second edition and the, the Chinese Puzzle, and the intention was to clarify Western perceptions about China and her church. And so it's probably time actually for a third edition because there have been enough new things that have happened, but you know, we'll see about that. But in the research that I've done, really the reason that I was interested in writing the book was I was seeing one thing in China where actually Chinese Christians were worshiping, you know, fairly openly and without a lot of restriction. And then I'd come back to the U S and hear all these awful stories about, you know, massive persecution. And really it was either I, I came to the conclusion, well, either I'm not I'm not spending time in those places or, you know, there's just, you know, misperceptions about the church in China. So I would say up until about maybe two years ago, so that really the church in China very generally has operated very, you know, with more and more openness. Mm. You know, I wrote in the second edition of my book about house churches, unregistered churches in Beijing that were Actually, you know, the leaders were having a weekly coffee or weekly tea with their local, you know, police bureau officials. The purpose of that being, hey, we'll just tell you what we're doing. And if there's anything we need from you or vice versa, or, you know, just kind of opening those lines of communication. And, you know, all of this is very well documented by others and, you know, is really cool to see. So Hmm. just recently, I would say in the last year or year and a half, the Chinese government is sort of, they do have a different, increasingly a different attitude towards people of faith in China. So in terms of how that's actually going to play itself out, we're unsure. But in February of this year, there were some new regulations on religious activity that the that the national government released. And So those are now being implemented again because China doesn't have what we would call in the the Western world, you know, a rule of law, meaning that you you develop some laws and they're administered the same throughout the whole country. Hmm. Laws a lot of times are administered very differently in different places, right? So in some places, those regulations are being, you know, administered, you know, very strictly. In other areas, they're not. I would say that certainly things generally have probably gotten just a little bit harder. On the other hand, and I'm I'm writing some about this just now for our 18 Catalyst blog and the, the what will be interesting to see is, you know, you've got, on one hand you've got the Chinese government that wants to maintain rule, right? One party, Communist Party, they don't want to give up that rule. On the mm-hmm. other hand now got these these Chinese churches that are have been operating under you know relative openness more and more of the pastors have been to western seminaries and then they've come back and so you know I was just in China in April and amongst those pastors that I talked to they said yeah there's these regulations but it's not going to affect what we actually do day to day I mean kind Mm -hmm. of like you're going to have to come take this Bible from my cold, dead hands kind of a attitude, right? That, you know, they they are now 
strengthening. They're sending people largely more and more overseas. They're talking about, you know, how the Chinese church can band together to take the gospel, you know, back to Jerusalem from China, which means going through the Middle East. And, you know, I mean, they're, this is a strengthened church. So will that lead to some kind of a confrontation? I don't know, but certainly I would, I would say the Chinese government needs to be extremely careful because, you know, it is actually true that that's, as we see throughout history, you know, once you have a strengthened populace and a educated populace and a well-connected, I mean, you know, internet's fully available in China. You know, you get a lot of these apartments that we visit, friends of ours, uh, Chinese friends, they've got CNN in their apartments and, you know, the Chinese are not, the government is not able to control the flow of information that, that like they once were. You know, I have a friend who's opened a bookstore, an online bookstore in Beijing, 2,000 Chinese titles that are available to ship to any address in China. So, you know, Christian resources are available. Again, I already mentioned about Bibles. Bibles are available. So it'll be interesting to see. It's a, it's a story that's still sort of developing, I would say. But yeah, I, there, I do actually think there's just a limited amount that the, that the government would, will be able to sort of, quote unquote, you know, tighten the, the, the Christian church, because, you know, these are people that are, they are in love with Jesus. They are getting more and more educated theologically and wanting to do more for the Lord. Wow. I, I feel like we could kind of spend some time camping there and we, we don't have the time to do that, but that's, that's, that's pretty amazing stuff. I have just a couple of questions just to kind of tie a bow on this. Okay, and, great. And I, I guess one, just kind of turning it back toward us as the listeners. If there's somebody listening right now who's listening to this, they're going, wow, you know, there's an opportunity in China. And by the way, I have a neighbor and I'm not really, I don't feel like I'm really living out the Great Commission, but maybe there's a bit of fear involved trying to overcome that inertia, if you will. What would you share with them? Yeah, I would share just a couple of very quick things. I would just say, Number one, just begin, if you've got a neighbor that you feel like, you know, the Lord is leading you to engage with, I would just say initially, just begin praying for that person. And I would say kind of at the same time, then just begin equipping yourself with just some very simple things that you can do. Meaning, again, you know, just learn if you've not learned how to share your faith, you know, your testimony, that's actually a it's a, it's a somewhat easy thing just because it is your very story, right? So mm. however it is that the Lord led you to himself and, you know, and those, those stories are just very powerful. And then I would say kind of thirdly, there's a fantastic resource out there. And in fact, I've interviewed one of the authors of a book that we just love here at our ministry called The Art of Neighboring. And so I would just highly recommend for folks to pick up, go to Amazon and pick up a copy of that book because it does such a fantastic job of just literally walking you kind of step by step on, you know, because as you're reaching neighbors, for example, you don't have to start with the gospel message, right? Initially, it's just, you know, seeing people outside, saying hi, going over and talking, asking them about their story, where are you from, what do you do for, for your living? 
And then obviously, you know, as you're becoming friends, then they're going to ask you their story. And Brian, you and I can't share our story without talking about, you know, Jesus and just kind of seeing, you know, what God does. And so the art of neighboring does a really good job of helping people kind of walk through that. So I would say kind of those three things initially. That, that's good. We've, we've talked about your, your podcast. We've talked about your YouTube videos and some of the resources that you do have available. Are, are there any other resources that you have at 1-8 Catalyst that we haven't talked about that we should? Well, no. I, well, it, I would just lead people sort of towards our website, right? Because that's a increasingly a place where we're just kind of putting, you know, old newsletters and, you know, updates about our ministry mm. and what we're doing and whatnot. So if you go to 18catalyst.org and the, the one and the eight are spelled out in word form, that would be the other place to go. Obviously, I'm always interested in connecting with people on Twitter and so I'm at Missions Mike on Twitter and would love to just connect with people as well. And so I, I would say that together with, the again, the podcast, which you can find on our website as well. Okay, yeah, excellent. And we will make sure that those are all linked up in the show notes. So if you're listening right now on your favorite podcast app, just tap or swipe and go to the show notes page and we'll make sure that that's all available for you right there. Mike, as we close this out, one last question. How can we best pray for you? Well, thanks for that, Brian. Obviously, we're always so, it feels very uh, a privileged situation to have people be praying for us. And so certainly, you know, you can just be praying for maybe two or three things. So we're in this big sort of growth mode with our ministry. And it's not growth for growth's sake, but it really is. Okay, if we're actually going to reach 205 unreached people groups, <laughs> right, we just need some more infrastructure and you know, we're a very small ministry right now. And so we're in a big board recruitment season. The times that we've had effective ministry, we've had an effective board and we really believe in, you know, good board governance. So over these next couple of months, I'm going to be approaching another, you know, eight to 10 people. So you can really be praying for that. Mm. Obviously, August 1st, we're starting our five-person team in China. And so just pray that that initially goes well. We've never had any staff members of our ministry who have lived overseas. And so, you know, you can just be praying. We've got the people selected and now it's just a matter of getting them funded and, you know, getting them trained and exactly what we want them to be doing and whatnot. So you can just really be praying for that. And then we've, we've started the first of our, we've got two Bible translation projects started we have probably another five or six that are close. And so as we reach unreached people groups, we really want to do Bible translation first and then evangelism using parts of that new translated Bible. So we have an existing relationship with the Jesus, Jesus film people and then church planning and then theological training. So just be praying. It is a, you know, some of these, unreached people groups, they just have a very different, you know, it's just going to be a long process to reach all 205 of them because, you know, some of them have, you know, native religions and some of them have, you know, the Muslim background or, you know, Buddhist background. And so to come in with the, the gospel of Jesus is different for them. And so you can just be praying that even as we're meeting and engaging with these unreached people groups, that God would just really give us favor. 
Wow, good stuff. For those of you listening, I would, as always, encourage you to pause the recording right now and take a minute to pray for Mike and for 1-8 Catalyst. I know from my experience, it is super easy to think that I will do it later and forget or not remember what it was that I was going to pray about. So I just encourage you to do that. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I've loved having this time with you. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I've really enjoyed it as well. It's time for a little listener feedback. I'm going to share some feedback that I received with you. I'm also going to ask you to provide some feedback to me. The title of this is A Missionary Must Hear. This is an iTunes review left by Silas to Mongolia. I don't have an actual name, but I'm guessing from Silas, the number two in Mongolia, that Silas might be part of this person's name. He writes, I found this podcast by accident while I was searching for another. After listening to just one episode, I was hooked. Each episode is encouraging and challenging in all different kinds of ways. As a missionary, I've been really encouraged by the different stories of people giving their lives for the sake of Christ. I think absolutely that every missionary should listen to this, but also every believer should as well. Silas, I'd like to say thanks so much if you're listening for leaving that very kind rating or that very kind review. I very much appreciate it. I especially like you sharing what you get out of the show and how it's benefiting you and how you think it might benefit others, in particular because it helps me, but also because it helps other people. As they're searching for a show, if they come across this and it connects with them, it provides a way that they might also connect with the show and get some benefit from it. So I appreciate that. For everybody who's listening, you might be thinking about providing some feedback as well. And believe me, I would very much appreciate it that. And I'm going to ask you to do it in two different ways. First, if you've never left a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would ask that you go ahead and do that. You'll find a link in the show notes so that you can do that. I would appreciate hearing from you there, partly because that's a way that you can help other people find the show. But beyond that, it's also survey time. As I'm preparing the content for next year, for 2019, I would love to hear from you about some of the things that might benefit you, what you're getting out of the show, how I can make it better, some things that you might want to skip over as you're listening to them, some things that you rewind and go back to, some things that might make you wish that you could sit in the car in the parking lot a little bit longer just to finish the episode. I'd love to hear those kinds of things from you as well. If you're listening in your favorite podcast app or you're listening on the show notes, Just click right through. There's going to be a link right there. It'll take you right to the survey. Or if you really prefer typing in web addresses, go to engagingmissions.com slash 2018 survey. That's the number 2018 survey. And you'll have the opportunity to do that right there. No pressure. Definitely not a sales pitch. I'm not selling information or anything like that. I'm just looking for your feedback so that I can make the show better. And I would really love to hear from you. I have a lot of people to say thank you to this week. First off, I want to say thank you to Mike for joining us and for sharing his insight and his perspective. My thanks to Silas, to Mongolia for that very kind rating and review, to Jeff and Gabby for their work to make this show possible, and also to every one of you who shares this show or provides some kind of financial or prayer support. I very much appreciate this. I don't think that I could do it without you, so I I appreciate that very much. I do want to mention that those survey results are due by mid-November. I need those so I can begin planning out what we're going to talk about next year. And I want to make sure that what I do is really valuable for you. One of the ways to make sure that I do that is to hear from you. So I'd ask that you do that by mid-November. You'll find all of that as well as the resources we talked about linked up at engagingmissions.com slash Mike Falkenstein or 
If you're listening in your favorite podcast app, you can just tap or swipe however you get to the show notes. And if necessary, click right on through to the website and you'll find that all linked up right there. Make sure that you come back next time. We're going to be hearing from our guest about how God used the book of Isaiah to lead our guest toward God and also how some of the challenges in Africa really helped form his identity and pushed him to question whether or not just being a disciple was enough. Make sure that you don't miss that. And the best way to do that is to subscribe to the show. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Choose your favorite podcast app and have it delivered to you for free every single time. And also, please continue to help me understand how I can make the show better. Whether you do the survey results, whether you leave an Apple or Apple Podcasts rating or review, whether you review in Stitcher, or if you send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com, I really want to hear from you because I really want to make this show better for you. Thanks so much. I'll connect with you in a couple of weeks.